And we are live. This is Daniel Burnett with Train Like a Ranger. Uh, super humbled and uh, honored to have Robert Keller on the podcast, former Ranger Special Forces and Delta Force operator. Uh, now, now you're doing shooting instruction with Gamut Resolution. So, uh, how are you doing, Robert? Good. Thanks for thanks for having me on. It's great. Uh, so honored to to talk to you. Um, I, I did some research on you. You have an awesome story. So. I, you know, I'm I'm always kind of I don't know where to start these things really, but uh, can you talk about you know how you got into the military, starting from growing up, and what got you interested in in the military? Oh, geez, yeah, uh, I mean, I've, I've talked about that before too. It is kind of funny how I went into the military. Um, I think all my all my life growing up, it's just that was that was something that I. I knew I should do and that I wanted to do, but other things pushed me in other directions before going to the military, um, which was sports. And, and I think, I don't know if it was, if it was, if it was a money thing eventually, but as I grew up, sports was a big thing. I played hockey and played golf, kind of had the option to go either way and out of high school. Um, in, instead of, I think, Knowing my passion was the military, I went for the sports option because that's that was the quick that could be the quick money, you know. Like, I go make go make millions of dollars. Well, as an eighteen year old kid, you don't fucking know shit. I I thought I could go play play golf professionally and uh, and make millions of dollars. Uh, so I I picked golf right out of high school. Tried doing that option. I did I did play pro pro golf for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things happened in between that, but that kind of led me to go into the military and and where you're from, one seven five, uh, Range Battalion. Um, playing, I, I think I was in either Louisiana or Mississippi, uh, playing in a tournament there, missed the cut, and you have the option to either stay there and party, or you can go to the next, you know, the next state and start training up for the next tournament, and I think. Like in at that moment when I missed the cut, I realized I was like, I, I'm not even fucking having fun doing this. Like it was it was a job instead of a passion. And uh, I don't like that night in the hotel. I'm thinking, all right, well, what the fuck should I do? Should I go to the next next state and start practicing? And and I, I realized that I wasn't doing what I actually loved to do. And I always wanted to be in the military. And I I fucking drove I drove home that next that next day. Uh, back to Florida, and like a day later, I was in the fucking military, <laughs> or, or at least I was done with like the recruiting part, you know. Right. And somewhere down the road, I I played with someone that had a brother, a freaking you know, a friend that was in Ranger Battalion. And I was like, oh, that, like that's the shit that I want to do. Right. Um. So I, I walked in the recruiter op- recruiting office, and I was like, hey, I want a Ranger contract. If you can't do it, you can't do it. But if like that's that's it. That's what I, that's what I want. And, uh, and I got it or I got a ranger contract and that's, that's basically what, what got me in the military. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Long story short, that's how it happened. Yeah. I, you know what, what, uh, when I was uh, watching another podcast, I watched a podcast with a uh, shout out to the combat story podcast. I listened yeah. to that. You talked about growing up in Minnesota and having a, a blowout bag also. I, yeah. I, well, that, that kind of goes back to just as a kid without knowing anything and and, and straight up just from watching movies. I mean, my dad was in Vietnam, so I think that was a a little bit of a not inspiration, but like, OK, I want I want to go to war, too. You know, my dad did it. My, my grandpa was in World War Two as a pilot. So it was something I like it wasn't the military wasn't what I want to do, but I wanted to go to war. So like growing up, like you, you're second. I'm okay. I want to get in. I want to get in gunfights. I want to be in war. With I watched a lot of a lot of war movies, and I, however the hell I picked it up, but no shit. As a kid, I had a blowout bag, <laughs> and I, like I, I had a plan. I mean, like one of my, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid was Red Dawn. Yeah, and like you know them invading America and then having to go out in the woods and live off the woods and do freaking like gorilla uh gorilla style hits in america like that as a kid that i almost wanted that to happen so yeah. i had a plan 
because we fortunately I lived on a bunch of land and uh, had a blowout bag, had a plan to if something happened like that, um, I was gonna go out to the woods and freaking you know save save the world as a ten year old kid or eleven year old kid. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So without even knowing I was going to be in the military and have the career that I had, I mean, I was doing that shit as a kid. I mean, I had, I had an obstacle course in the in my backyard that that I would do like like a military obstacle course. Um, I had trenches dug back there where I could hide. I mean, I, I'd go out to the woods and as a as as a young kid and like force myself to sleep in the woods by myself, like overnight. You know, and just be scared shitless, but I wouldn't go back just because I wanted to see if I could do it, you know? Yeah. So I think even as a, as way back when as a kid, I, it, that was like my true fucking calling. My true passion was to do like the military stuff. Yeah. Well, can you talk about like uh, coming up and, and getting to um, like Ranger Battalion? What was your Rangers days like? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's probably a little bit different than when you were there. Yes. Yeah. Like when? What year did you end up going there? Uh, 2011. I shipped out, and I got there 2012. Yeah. So 2011, I was there 90, 97, 97 to 2000, or 96 to 2000. Um, it was still like we were still doing the Ranger Games stuff. Yeah, you know, like I mean, there was weekends where you come back and see people hanging from sleeping bags outside the third story window. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was kind of my days. It was definitely, I mean, obviously pre nine eleven, no, no wars going on. Um, we were still doing more of the uh, the patrolling, like the the straight up ranger. You know, like I would say Vietnam style ranger type stuff, like the patrolling to the range and then you set up patrol day patrol base live in that patrol base for the whole time and then you you know you do your range days for two or three days and you you'd walk out and then go go back i mean that was really all we did i mean like cqb stuff um i think that was like a once a year thing yeah so I, I think you guys had gone to more of that after 9 11 that were like when i was there it was like all fucking straight up patrolling stuff like just living in the woods and and sucking there was there was very little like cqb or or i'd say precision shooting um, yeah it was just being a hard ranger that's interesting uh, but, it, but but it was cool i mean it was i, I definitely liked that experience i like that i got to uh got to experience that but I, me being a little bit older going in had a great time there but i knew there was something there was something more at least for me like i wanted i wanted to to up that and go somewhere else where I could actually do, you know, more hits where I know that's different now in the range battalion, but yeah, you know, when I was there, it was, just, it was, it was old school ranger stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. When I hear that, I hear that the, the ranger, you know, mission was different, you know, and, and it's kind of evolved, uh, in the, throughout oh, yeah. the war. Um, yeah. so, uh, so you guys didn't have like a, like a cycle, right? So we had the whole training, cycle and then we would have our deployment come back the cycle was kind of like this layout that they right. had come up with so it well, wasn't that, yeah that 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 didn't really exist i think we were we did have an alert which i don't know what you guys call it now but there was there was a time a certain time and uh, like every company would go through it every you know like like to be on that that cycle where you couldn't go out and or you couldn't you couldn't take vacations couldn't go more than what thirty minutes away from Savannah or from the base. Yeah, we we had that, but it, it it wasn't like it is now, where the where it's the training cycle, the other, which I don't even know if I can say that that word that you know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, <laughs> and all the other stuff. It was, it, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't it was now. It was you you were on that for a little bit, but then after that, it was just all it was. It, I'd say the the rest of the year just was all training. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I and and I have bad memory or by bad memory anyhow, so I can't remember really how it was. Uh, but it was it was a good experience being at Ranger Battalion for sure. Just just hard motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, I I would say the training tip I was still 
very high, but uh, I couldn't imagine like a ranger school type um, training all the time. So is that basically what you're saying? Kind of like a ranger school throughout? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. whenever we went, whenever we went out, it was, it was just shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, we, we literally would hump to a patrol base, make patrol base. And then we, that's, we would stay in the patrol base the whole time out of the range. Yeah. You know, and cause really the only time that we were doing that was if we were doing like a, a, a CQB, a CQB, like that once a year thing or the, and it wasn't even flat range stuff. It was like long, it was more longer range, just using uh, Fort Stewart's, like the, whatever the pop up targets they had, you know, like yeah. we, we didn't go to the range very often, like what, what you're probably used to. It, that was that was maybe a three or four or maybe four or five times a year thing. Yeah. Wow. But the the times that we weren't shooting it was just, it was just fucking patrolling through the woods. <laughs> it was kind of like old Vietnam style stuff, you know. Yeah. But still, but still fun. Yeah. So, uh, so you decided to get out and go to college after your time in Ranger Battalion, right? And yeah. uh, can you talk about that and and where you went from there? Yeah, uh, well, I got I got out, and that that, that kind of was the plan. I, I knew I always wanted to be in the military. I went there. There was no wars, and I, again, I, I say I wanted to be in the military. What I wanted to do is go to war. So went there. There was nothing going on. Got out in two thousand and um, went back to college. I mean, my my actual plan was to go Secret Service. But I wanted the range of battalion background to have that. It's the military experience. Then I, I need to get my four degrees. So got out, started uh, started going to college. Uh, was hitting that hard. And then sure enough, uh, 9-11 kicked off. Uh, I got talked into going, well, not talked into, but I just happened to, out of the blue, met someone that was an SF guard guy. And he was like, you can, you can go into the guard and still be at college, but be SF. And I was like, I had never even heard of this. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, I can actually, because at the time, Florida, and the price still are, um, if you're in the guard in Florida, they pay 100% tuition. Then I have my GI Bill. I was like, well, shit, if, I'm gonna, if I can do that, but at least be SF and have the chance of going, because they were... At that time, talking to that guy, they were they were already scheduled to deploy, or maybe they already had deployed, or something like that. So I was like, "That's a that's a chance to actually get my wartime experience, right?" right. So went to selection. Um, as I was going to college, just took a took a break from college and selection, made it. Then went to the Q course, which is a, a year long, um, or over over a year long. Took another break in college to go to the Q course. Well, by the time I went to Q course, because you're basically active duty going to the Q course for that whole year. Um, I got, and I, I knew there was a deployment coming up. So I was like, all right, I go do a deployment. And it was, it was kind of best case scenario because I was still guard. I can go do, I can go get a deployment out of it and see if I actually like it. If for some reason, like I didn't like, you know, getting shot at or whatever. I was still going to be a guard, guy, right? right? I could still go back to college. So it was, it was kind of like perfect scenario because you go over as an active, like active duty. And, and the team that I happened to be on was just a phenomenal team. Um, SF team. Now um, did my one, did my one year over there. I mean, it was, it was easily the first gunfight I was in or first time I was ever shot at. I knew right then and there, like that was my calling. Like that, I mean, that is what my life was for. So did the whole deployment, every other gunfight after that, in that deployment, it was like, I mean, it was just icing on the cake. I knew that that was my thing. So when, when we came back, I was still, I was still guard. So, um, not, I, I wasn't really familiar with the unit, but I, I knew they existed and I knew that if uh this is if this is what i like to do or this i wouldn't even say like to do this is what i love to do this is my straight up passion in life like wh where can i go to get more of this right well the easy answer was go to the unit i mean if, if, you, if you can go to the you know the 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 uh 
don't want to say top tier, but like the best of the best, you're probably going to get more hits, right? You're probably going to get more opportunities to go on target. So, um, so I made my decision to go to selection, sort of trained up for selection, went to selection, made it, and then went through OTC, made it uh, through OTC, and then made it in the unit. And then the last, I spent over 10 years at the unit. Um, and that was, it was just, it was nonstop. I mean, you guys, you guys probably came over, over there with a, a lot of times and, and we're on the same cycle as we were on. So, you know, how many times you go overseas um, and we go, when we go over the seas, overseas, I mean, it's, it's, it's nonstop. So it's just tons and tons of missions. And I was, I was literally getting paid for doing something I fucking love to do. That's so, it's so, uh, so awesome. Whenever I hear guys like you talk about it, like, like the excitement that you get from, from a gunfight is just, yeah. it's so, uh, so rare. Like that, um, that like positive, it's like a positive mindset for the chaos, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it absolutely is. I think that's, yeah, like the positive part of it or, People always ask me, like mindset wise, or or um, like was it was it was it scary, or did you fear for your life or something? It's it, it's weird. Most of the people that I worked with, um, that's never that's never the case. I mean, you're 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 going there knowing, especially after nine eleven, like you already know you're going to be deploying. You know you're going to be going on hits, and you know it's going to be gunfight after gunfight. Uh, or situations that you could be shot at. So people that are going there already already knew that. So you're getting a group of people that that are going there for a reason, right? It's not like it's not like you were there, you didn't know if you were going to like it or not. I mean, people are volunteering now after 9/11 to go there. So like the, the quality of people or the people that have that same mindset. I mean, it was it was just it's a cool place to be when you're going on target and. Every, there's no one on target is fearing for their life, right? Like you get a gunfight instead of being like, oh shit, this could be the day. I mean, it's it's literally like a free ticket to Disneyland. <laughs> like every every hit you go on, like every gunfight that someone's shooting at you, instead of being scared, you're you're excited about it, right? Which is badass to be in the presence of that many people. You know, I mean, I mean that's I don't, I don't I don't think I'm. I wouldn't say I'm weird because of that, um, but I mean, I've never been stressed out in a gunfight. I've, I've never like actually feared for my life, um, and every, and everyone, uh, well, not not everyone, but most of the people that I was on target with felt the same way, which is just a cool, cool experience. And that that happened deployment after deployment after deployment. That's amazing. You know, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, two things when it comes to like, um, I want to jump back to the to the guard just because I'm curious how it works. Yeah, as well. well I, I was too. <laughs> like, do you go for that selection for two years and then resume being guard? Is that how that works? Yeah, like you're talking, if, if you went as a guard guy, went to selection, went to the Q course for the SF, Right. Yeah, but once you're once you're done, like that's all active duty. You're it's the exact same Q courses everyone goes through. But when you're done, yeah, you go back to the guard, and then that's that's a one weekend a month thing. So the rest of the rest of the month you're a civilian, basically. Gotcha. So, um, you kind of got you. I would say it's kind of a luck thing on what team you got to, and it's what you put into it. Um, which I think they're they're probably a lot better now, just because when we, we've been we've been doing this for over twenty years now. Um, but yeah, you can. Some teams are better than others in you know in the guard. And I would say it's the same thing for active duty. It, it depends on who's on your team, who's your leadership. Some teams are better than the other. Right? I mean, same thing with uh, ranging plan. When you get to the companies, the platoons, the teams, some teams are good, some teams are bad. So it's same thing. But I, I it was it I was very impressed with the team that I was on. Like when we went over there and did our mission, we did the true SF mission over in Iraq for my first deployment before going to the unit. And it was phenomenal. 
I mean, our leadership was, was badass. Um, we put the time in, I mean, we were, we were busy as hell. I think, I think I ended up being there for 11, 11 months. Um, and we got after it every, I would say every fucking day, but some teams are going to do, you know, you, it's, it's what you put into it. Kind of a little bit different than probably range of battalion. You get, you're coming from the top, like SF teams, it's, it's your leadership on the team. So it's what you put into it. I'm, how much effort you want to put, how much time you want to go out actually on target and go outside the base. Um, that's kind of on you. So it was a little bit different. I was happened to be on a phenomenal team. It was a great experience. We did the straight up SF mission, which was, you know, you, you, you go into a country, um, you get your training for, or your, 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 uh, post nation force, you train them up. And then you teach them how to do their own hits. You you know, then you you kind of help them with the hits. But when, when you go on target, it's them doing the hits. You're kind of a, just an, an advisor. You train them to do the hit. So it was it was cool to actually be able to do kind of like the I would say the the Vietnam style SF mission. It was that was very cool. But like for me, I was like I wanted to be a shooter, right? Like you know, so that that's kind of what drew me to the units. Like all right. This was this was awesome what I did in SF, but I wanted I want to be the guy going on target every night, being the fucking the trigger guy. So, and and uh, I, I've talked about this with someone before. Uh, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but you know, whenever it came time for uh, for you know your Delta Force venture, he explained it to me as a mand like a mandatory briefing that's done by the Army. Is that kind of how? How that works? Like you get a briefing and can pick up for it there. Well, what do you mean briefing? He said, uh, th "That's what he told me." He's like, uh, "We got a briefing on the unit, and he signed up for it there." I'm not. I honestly don't know how it works. Oh, like, so like I don't know a, if you like can a, say. Yeah, like in a re recruitment thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, they do. They do the briefings. They go all. They go all over. But it's it's not like it was like back you know, early on we kind of were invited to do it. I mean it's we we have recruiters that go out, which is which is awesome. Um and then if you go to any I mean actually you don't have to go to a recruiting like uh not an event or a seminar, but like a, a recruiting meeting. Like I when I was in when I was at the guard, I reached out to them and I can't remember how I did it, but I, I got a hold I got a hold of a unit recruiter sort of talked to him and said, Hey, how do I, how do I put my back? In? But that's, that's what they explained to you at the recruiting uh, uh, briefs that are throughout the country. And then, yes, you just put your packet in. Uh, if you get, if you get accepted, then you go to selection. Interesting. Yeah. That's uh... but after that. Yes. I can't talk about it. Right. <laughs> right. Of course. Um, and, and so whenever, uh, whatever you, you talk uh, about you know the the Delta mission versus the uh, the SF mission. You said uh, you like the the direct action stuff oh, a yeah. lot better. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, I guess can you kind of talk about your craziest war story? That's it. Well, yeah. People ask me all the time, like I'm the craziest, and for I, I wish I would have. And I know people did this, which they were fucking smart. Like I wish I would have taken notes or like, kept a journal. I did on certain things, like I did on how many deployments I was on, how many times I got shot at, how many times I engaged. I actually kept track of that. Um, but like I wish I wish I would have kept a journal on like the the actual missions that went down. Um, I know I've, I've, cause you said, um, the combat, I think at the combat story, I talked about being up on the wall by myself. Um, I hate, I hate to talk about same missions on, on multiple podcast platforms sure. just cause if other people are listening, uh, unless, unless you, so that's, that's a good one. I think another one that I, I haven't really talked about a lot. Is um, and it wasn't. It wasn't. Talk, 
none of them are crazy for me. That's that's the weird thing. Like when people say crazy, uh, none of them are crazy because I wanted to be in the situation. Yeah. Like there, there was times where you're like, holy shit, like this is going down. But it, it was like a fun thing. Right. You know, instead of being like, oh, I'm going to fucking die. It was like, yeah, this is a fucking awesome. Right. Right. But, and like, you look to your left and right, the guys that you're working with. And instead of being like wide eyed, like, holy shit, we might die. We're fucking laughing at each other. Right. So like, 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 this is fucking awesome. Or this is this is one that, you know, we've never seen before. Um, so like when when it comes to crazy missions, it, it's hard for me to pick those out because I don't. They were they were they were never crazy for me, and they were never scary for me. Um, I think one I think one good one was uh, like a situation. Talk about like on the training side that I was I put this out in in, in most of my classes. Um, you can never you can never train for a situation or a scenario, and I think. Back in my Ranger days and my SF days before 9-11, I was always I was always on the range training for scenarios, like training for situations. Because we I'd never been in a gunfight, right? And, and most people hadn't. So you're you're always you're always trying to set up situations that you think is gonna be in a gunfight, right? Right. But you, you can never you can never train for that. They're always gonna be different, like way different. One thing you can train for, which I realized after about five or six gunfights into my career, was the one thing you can train for is your constant. Your constant in a gunfight is always going to be bringing the gun up, getting sight picture, pulling the trigger. That that never is going to change, no matter what the situation is. So, like just on the training side, like how I ended up switching or revamping the way that I train on the range um, and the way that I instruct now is you train for your constant. So the because the, the constant's always gonna happen, right? Like like reloads, you never that's a that's a possibility. Transitions, that's a possibility. That shouldn't be the majority of training. So a good example of your constant coming into play, and I would say uh, not not crazy at all, but uh kind of a, a cool hit. Um I, I ended up having to make ended up having to shoot two guys basically upside down into a cave right so i was on the top of the cave the guys were coming out i had to shoot basically underneath me almost almost fucking standing upside down to make the shot um think i had ever trained for that i had never set up that situation i'd never fucking practiced shooting from a fucking above a cave right into it while guys are coming out but it was it was fucking awesome like i still had to bring the gun up on the tops of their heads Get side pitch, pull the trigger, right? So that never changes. And then what what led me to that situation? Um, we were, I, I don't even know. Well, it's obviously guys we were going after. We landed up on a on a hilltop. However, we knew they were there. You, you probably know how we fucking target these guys. So that they were up on the hill, or basically up in the mountain. We land up in this mountain. Nowhere near where they were at. So we had to patrol through the mountains looking for these guys. Um, had ISR looking for them. Had we had our drones up. Um, still didn't, still couldn't, we, we, we had no idea where they were at, right? Or we had somewhat of an idea, but you can't, it's hard for ISR to see the, you know, the cliffs and the fucking caves on mountains. So we were patrolling through this, through this mountain for, I would, I would say we were up there for hours looking, looking for these guys. And uh, we come around, come around a piece of this freaking mountain, um, and we're on we're on like the side of this motherfucker. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty steep. And all of a sudden, we take contact. So me me and this other guy are on point, and so we're the ones who actually got initiated at. And <laughs> him and I are on point. He ends up going left. I go towards the gunfire. You know, I don't know which 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 option was better uh well actually i do because i i ended up getting on the on the back side of the cave um at the time i we didn't know they were in a cave so they open up they got they they got us dead rights we're on a fucking mountaintop right we're not on a mountaintop but on the side of a mountain he goes left 
I go right towards the gunfire. I basically get to where the cave was. Which I, really, I didn't even know at the time. Well, he goes he goes down the mountain, finds a rock to hide behind. Well, it's it's basically right in front of the cave, the cave entrance, right? So they got this guy dead to rights. <laughs> talk about like like the funny stuff that happens on Target because instead most people would be like, "Holy shit, this is fucking, this is crazy." You know, he's he's up, he's down there. Pinned down by himself. And he's behind this little teeny rock, like small enough to just get his body behind. And these guys are opened up on him. So he's stuck. We, everyone else followed me. So every, everyone's out of the way. The only person that's down there in front of the cave is the guy that was with me on point. Um, and in, instead of being like a scary thing, like we're, we're on the radio talking to him, like basically laughing, like, yeah, we got it. You know, just stay there. And like every time he tried to move, they would open up on him. And then again, instead of being like, oh, you know, just stay there. You're okay. Like everyone would be on the radio laughing. Like just, just fucking sit there. <laughs> so we we get in position. I got up on top of the cave, um, trying to get these guys out. We were throwing bangers. I think I think at one point we we're throwing concussion grenades. Concussion grenades. Nothing's happening. We don't know how, how deep this cave is. You you can't. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go. I mean, they got us. They're obviously got this guy pinned down. We're not going to go into this thing, into a black cave, like doing CQB. I mean, they, they would have just, they would have just fucking crushed us. So we need to get them to come out. Well, eventually, and this was going on for a while. We got, we got us, uh, one of the, one of my buddies went way up on one of the other mountaintops. He got in position where he had, he had coverage of the, the, uh, the opening of the cave he got in position we eventually went to um frag grenades well i think once we started throwing those in there they were like oh shit they got it so it wasn't it 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 ended up being not that deep of a cave like they couldn't actually get away um so once we started throw, throwing those in there um they, they eventually came out and i was at the top of the top of the cave so when they came out i was you know had them fucking dead to rights and the guy that, that had gone over to the other mountain um he was one of our recce guys with sniper rifle he was shooting him as well um so I mean, once they came out we obviously wasted them and then of course if 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 you've done stuff like that we, we got to go check them right well these these guys i mean the cave was on it wasn't a sheer cliff but once once, once I shot them and they, they were, they were dead. Well, their bodies fell down the fucking mountain. Well, guess who had to go freaking down there and check them? Yes. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so, like we had to climb all the way down this motherfucker just to check these guys. And then obviously we had to climb back climb up. Back up. <laughs> Pain in the ass, but, uh, I got, that was a, that was a cool hit, I guess for me, because it was, it was, and that 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 wasn't one of them that made me realize that the whole constant of the bring the gun up getting the same picture pulling the trigger, but um it it was a good one, especially now to be able to tell people like you can't train for situations. You can't train for scenarios. Like that is obviously one that I would have never set up as a scenario on the range, right? But it happened in the shooting part, it that always stays the same. So that was a good one. It wasn't It wasn't very exciting. It was kind of funny because the guy that was pinned on the rock, he was there the whole time. <laughs> he, he obviously couldn't move until these guys were dead. Right. Um, so kind of funny on that that point. But um, I mean, there's there's obviously multiple. I'd say better ones than that. I could I could go on and on. It's really cool when we do the podcast with like multiple guys because I, again, I have shitty fucking memory, but if I have another guy talking about something that happened, it'll like, I'll remember it. And then it's like, Oh shit, that's right. I do remember that now. So follow on podcast. That'd be a good one for you. Bring on me and a couple guys that are on my team. Oh, heck yeah. uh, Yeah. That's so fun. It's fun when you get two or three guys talking because it, it it refreshes your memory on other hits that you'd forgotten about. Oh, that would be an honor. Yeah, it, that's consider it done. Uh, 
but uh, that's what I think is so amazing about um, about you guys like you, like the the mentality of uh, laughing in a situation like that. Uh, I think you guys just know you're going to win every time. It's just that mindset of no matter think, what happens. Yeah. Think, yeah, and that that does come from just being the, the the training part of it and knowing you're just the baddest motherfucker out there. Not not saying that I am at all, but I mean that is kind of your mentality when you train that much and that hard, and you know you know you're that good at CQB and you're that good at shooting. Like, how are you going to lose? Right. Well, if if that can be your mindset you know, going into a gunfight, you're never going to be scared. Right. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, like other funny things, I think, yeah, that's why it's, it's never, it's never like, a, like the books you read back in the old days, it's like, there I was, you know, knee deep in a fucking trench and, and, you know, it was, it was the scariest thing ever. Um, nothing was ever scary, but it was funny. I mean, it, some other things was you you might have experienced coming on on target. Like when we're if we're if we're not landing on the X, we're landing on like uh, doing an offset and we're running in. Like funny shit that happens before even getting the target. Yeah. Um. Like like people coming out of a helicopter, you it's a brownout. You can't see shit. I mean, you can't even see your compass in front of your face. You know, to what direction you're going, and. And it's a big race to target, right? Because the first person that gets the target, if if it's if it's something going on, well, you're the first person who gets to shoot, right? And everyone wants to get there first, so it's a big race to target. And um, like some of the funny stuff that happens coming on target or co- uh, coming off the birds, if you're if you're on the left side of the bird and the target's on the left side, well, obviously they're going to have an advantage, right? They're going to they're going to be getting there first. They got to jump on you to get in there, so. You get off, the birds come, the birds lift off. If you're on the right side, you're going left. You, know, you got to wait for them to come off. You're trying to catch up. You're like, motherfuckers, right? Like these these guys, either that team or a couple. So it's usually the new guys because they're the younger guys. They're in shape like a motherfucker. You're doing like a 2,000 meter fucking full-on sprint to target. Then you see them up ahead. Like once once you get out of the brownout and you're like, God damn it, they're going to get there first. Um, and you're hauling ass and all of a sudden like one of them falls right so like you're like hell yeah so like once you get to them because by the time they get up you already passed them you're like yeah motherfucker like now now you're gonna beat them right and then like 10 steps later you fucking fall you know then it's like god damn it like (laughs) that was the first one there now i just fucking fell and then people are passing you it's 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 just like that shit happens every night. Like, I mean, fuck, we we had a guy, we had a guy going going same thing. He was, I think he was, he, I think he was the fucking first guy that they like let back operationally in the military with one leg. So so he had he had fucking prosthetic, right? We're running, we're running a target one night. He's going through the fucking fields that i'm sure you're used to as well something it was they were fucking muddy well he's running through this thing his fucking fake leg gets stuck in the mud and it pops off oh no right (laughs) so Uh, then you got support guys coming behind but i mean all of us are running by and he's like hey grab my leg and we're like fuck you you know because obviously we want to be there first you know so we're like giving him shit like yeah grab your own fucking leg (laughs) It wasn't like we were leaving a guy behind because there's support guys coming. Sure. But like no one stops for him, right? So like you have your own fucking life. We're, we're getting the target first. Um and then, like that like shit like that happened every night. I mean it's it's whoever can get there first is gonna get freaking get the hit first, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. You know, when I hear you talk about it, like you guys are racing for that to be there first, you know. Um uh I'm sure uh I'm sure that prosthetic by the way is not easy to get back on. Like I've seen some yeah. guys when they do their prosthetic like it's a it's a process to put that thing on. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I think that's why it was even it, it was it was even funnier just because of that cuz you, you kind of know or right? you're out. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, get your own shit and meet us there later. What a stud to to, yeah. to do that, you know, get get a prosthetic and go back in the fight like that. It's just a special breed of human being. Yep. Um, and, and 
you know, I took a class with a, a student of yours. He's an instructor as well, um, Chris Mackey. Oh, yeah. He, yep. he talks very highly of you um, and uh, basically says, like, you're the guy instructors go to, you know, like you're, you're the top tier. And it's, you know, it's should be a given. But it's just, uh, again, so cool to to hear that from you. You know, he was uh, he's telling me some of the same things when I was training with him as far as like, you know, stick to stick to these fundamentals, you know, be a master of the fundamentals, because um, those are the things that are going to be in every scenario. So I, yeah. it's just so validating to hear you say that on top. Uh, well, I mean, and that's what is cool, about, I guess, about the wars on on learning things. Like if if nine eleven wouldn't would have never happened, I would have been in the military. I would have gone into instruction after. But I would if I would never been in all those gunfights, like I probably would be still doing the stuff that I was doing pre nine eleven. You know, yeah. like throwing the sandbags over my head, doing burpees, going over freaking berms uh, and stuff, like getting my heart rate up and. Like doing the running gun and stuff like that would have been the majority of my training. Right. But it's not now. I mean, it is like, um, not that I would say I'm, I'm anything special as an instructor, but like what I bring to the table is I'm forcing you to do the basic stuff and I'm doing the basic stuff because I've been in that many gunfights. And I realized that the thing that you should be focused on, like 99, 90, 90, 90 to 95% of your training should be on your constant. The thing that you know is going to happen, like have to happen. All the other stuff is is definitely stuff you need to know how to do, but it shouldn't be the stuff that the majority of your training, which I think pre-9-11, we were training on the maybes and very little on the constant, right? I mean, because you're you're setting up scenarios, doing the running gun and stuff. Right. Well, that's that's not your constant. Your constant in a gunfight is bring the gun up, get inside picture, pull the trigger, period. And it and that is very basic stuff, and that is very boring stuff to do on the range. Right. Like not many people want to do that because it's not you're not doing the fast reloads, you're not fucking going from target to target, you're not doing you know like doing the running and gun and stuff that's cool on like Instagram and Facebook. And that's what I bring to my, my classes. I'm, I'm forcing guys to put the repetitions in on the fucking stuff that I know you have to do in a gunfight. Right. Right. But I. But that can't, that can't, that comes from my experience. I wouldn't have known that. It, it probably didn't even dawn on me until about five or six gunfights into it. Like I, I finally started realizing, holy shit, every situation is different. Every right. scenario is different. I'm not always doing reloads. I'm not always doing transitions. Those are all things that you need to know how to do. But like when it finally started, re- or what I realized after those five or six gunfights, I was like, God damn, every fucking time I'm in a gunfight, I got to bring the gun up. I got to get sight pitch, pull the trigger. So that's when I, no shit, I revamped the way that I fucking train and that followed me on to now as an instructor. So yeah, I am the guy teaching fucking the basics. I'm the, I'm the guy teaching the boring stuff, but I'm forcing you to fucking perfect the stuff that I know you'll have to do. Right. Which is, it, it's boring, basic shit. It's not, it's not the highest. If you, if you take videos of me, practicing on the range it wouldn't be fucking cool for instagram right right because it's, it's me just driving the gun up the target like yeah. how how fucking cool is that it's not but in a gunfight it's fucking definitely cool that's the shit that saves your life right so it's yeah it's so interesting to to hear that from you you know the guys i've talked to before they all say the same thing and, and a lot of these guys they do their stuff on instagram too and there is that thing with the social media there's always like Everybody wants to do what they can take on a film and show to their friends, you know, not the things yeah. that's boring and that you have to do all day long and it yep. doesn't look cool. I think that's what's good. Like I, I give two shits. I don't care. I don't care if people think I'm cool. I don't care if people think that my classes are boring. I'm, I'm, I, I literally do the training side for one reason. One reason only is if I can hope, hopefully save someone's life. Yeah. So it's not about being cool. And that's probably why my social media isn't as fucking big as it, as it could be. Because I'm not going to put up fluff videos just to make it look fucking cool. Yeah, Instagram's tough in that way. It's like they yeah. wanted to see the flash, you know, the flashy hell, stuff. Hell, hell yeah, that's just not me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, speaking of Instagram, um, one of the hashtags that you put on there, and this kind of flows into, into uh, my realm as 
don't yeah. suck being an athlete. Yep. Can you expand on that? Yeah. I think that I want to say that 100% was my term, but that was that ended up being kind of our our team team thing that we would say just hey, nothing needs to be technical, right? Like everyone's gonna have their own style of doing things. Like when it comes down to it, just don't fucking suck being an athlete. Fucking yeah. make it work, right? I don't care. I don't care how you explain it or how you how you talk about it. You just show me that you can fucking do it. Right? Just don't fucking suck being an athlete. Right. <laughs> and and that's kind of how it was too. Like on the like on your on your uh your side, um training like a ranger, because I, I I definitely was like that as in ranger battalion too. I mean I, I would I am not I am not a stud anymore. I'm I'm fucking I'm old and fat now, but like ranger battalion days, I mean I was just just fucking crushing it like on the pt side right um and i think that wasn't that wasn't a saying i had back then but it, it was definitely how i fucking lived um like on like on the pt side uh, and and probably probably not the smartest thing to do when it comes to longevity of your body but <laughs> when it came when it came to like working out I mean, I'd go until I, I couldn't go anymore, and then I'd go another fucking fifteen minutes. Yeah, you know, like if I ran five five miles at a certain pace, and at the at like at the last block of that fifth mile, my body was saying, "All right, just I'm done." Like I'd literally, my brain would tell my body, "Go fuck off," and I'd I'd make myself do another mile just because my body was saying, "Stop." Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's just how I train. And it's the same thing I train, like, for SF selection and for the unit selection. I overtrain like a motherfucker. Um, and I, I was lucky to have the body to be able to, um, I guess, put the extra miles in and to, to, to work out harder than, I would say, most people where they probably would end up. Not breaking something, but but hurting their knees, hurting their shoulders. So it's not the way that I train isn't the right way for everyone. But I mean, I, I would I would go until I literally couldn't go anymore, and then I would go like if I if I knew I had to if I if I had to walk 15 miles, I would know that I could do 30 miles. If I knew my run time had to be two miles in in 13 minutes, I would make sure I could do two miles in you know 11 minutes. Right. So it, I it was never it was never about the standard. It was always about being able to go past the standard and knowing that if I had a bad day, so if I had to run, if I had to walk 15 miles, but I trained for 30 miles, I knew that if I had a bad day, I could do that 15 miles, you know, having a bad day. I, I think that makes sense. Like I, I overtrained for fucking everything. I literally on both select, and it wasn't for ranger the. The Ranger selection, which was back then, was ripped. Um, I, I, that, I, did, I, I didn't really know what I was getting into, so I just kind of just muscled through that. But my SF selection, my unit selection, I overtrained for that. I literally never got one hot spot. Where, where some people had blisters on, you know, on both feet, like both feet were just covered in blisters. Well, that, that's I, I never wanted that. So if I overtrained. You know, if I had to do a 40 miler, I, I know I could do fucking 60 or fucking 80. Yeah. So when it came to that point, Matt, I literally, I, I, very little fatigue and just on the body wise, especially on like breaking in your boots and having, having tough feet, not, not one issue. That's, I, that's great that you said that, you know, coming from a man who's done pretty much all the selections in the army, the, <laughs> the training concept is so, uh, so important because you're like you, the way that you were training, you know, training to exceed the standard, you're conditioning your bone density, your muscles, your connective tissue. You're coming in there and you weren't getting the same, like you said, the same injuries or, you know, uh, even skin issues that other guys were getting because you were conditioned for it. So that's, yeah, that's such a great. I'd already, yeah, I'd already had those prior, you know, yeah. training. <laughs> yeah. So when it's for real, I'm not having that. Yeah, that's great. I think it did. It, and, and that. I think it did affect me, so I'm not big on like doing the, uh, like the the PT stuff during shooting, getting your heart rate up. That 100 could be a fucking thing for for a lot of people, 
the reason why I never did that is like I, I never had an issue being on target, even after doing like a 2000 meter sprint with Kit and carrying all like fucking ladders and, and anything else. I never had an issue when I got the target and had to engage that I was like so winded that that it affected my shots. And and that that could have been because I was always so overly trained that I was just in that good of shape. Or it could have just been adrenaline. I don't. I don't know. But that was never a factor for me. So that's not. That's like one of the reasons why I don't like. I'm not big on doing this. You know, throwing sandbags over your head and doing fucking push-ups and burpees on the range. Like when you're on the range, I'd rather just fucking shoot. It was never a factor for me. Could be for some other people, but going back to like the, just the physical physical um, side of it and being in shape, 100% applied to being on target. You know, to be able to do that, that 2,000 meter flat out fucking sprint and get to target and engage and not affect my shots, that comes down to being fucking physically fit, right? Yeah. So 100% of thing. I mean, if you want to be a good gunfighter, you have to be. I mean, it, that, that shit all applies. Yeah, you got to have the shooting stuff down. But like for law enforcement guys, like how, many, how many videos do you watch people like cops chasing after people, they get winded and can't even fucking ca- catch up? Yeah, like that to be an overall like a rounded a, a phenomenal like rounded gunfighter you you have to have the physical stuff too it can't just be the shooting because you never know right yeah that's great um i love that hashtag uh don't suck being an athlete uh, yeah just i i saw it. i was looking at your instagram you know and i was like yeah hey, that's that's great and and uh and so you know that being said you know when whenever you decided to start gamut resolutions how did that how did that come up how did you come about uh going into firearms instruction and and doing what you do now i was yeah that 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 straight up came to really initially started because i was i was ignorant or i was ignorant to the fact that of, of how bad like civilians and cops were shooting. I'm not saying that like as uh, like being a dickhead, but uh, like I, my whole career, Ranger Battalion, SF, and being at the unit, I had never been in my in my whole life actually, my whole career in the military, I had never been to a public shooting range. I I had shot with sp- specific LE guys at the unit that we brought in, but besides that. I, I had never shot besides the, the the my friends that I hunted with. I had never shot with a civilian either. It was uh, the people that I shot with either were range battalion, SF, or the unit. So I, I, you know, call me ignorant on the fact, but I, I kind of just thought that's how everyone would train, right? Because that's what I saw. That's the people that I would shoot with. That's that's what I had seen. I didn't know how like the lack of skills and the lack of training civilians and, and, and law enforcement. And I would say probably the rest of the military has. So when I, when I, cause I ended my career down at SOCOM down at, uh, down at McDillon in Tampa. And I was running the SOCOM range down there and uh, started shooting with people at that range. And we were, we'd let, and I, I was doing charity work too. So at that range and doing charity work, with black guns or black rifles and pistols, that's when I started like actually shooting with civilians and law enforcement. And, and it opened my eyes like, holy shit, like what I thought like their proficiency should be and their safety should be and their awareness on the range and, you know, range procedures and all stuff. Like when I first saw that, that I'd never seen before, I was like, this is fucking unbelievably unsafe. And these, these people aren't, they're not accurate. They don't, they really don't know what they're doing. So I, I and I had time on my hands because it was, a, it was a different, uh, it was a different work schedule. It was basically Monday through Friday. Um, I was like, I, like, I can actually like help these people. Right. So like on the charity events and, and the law enforcement side, I started, I started kind of giving like uh, free classes. Right. And, and I didn't know really what I was doing as an instructor. I didn't I didn't have like a POI. I didn't have a curriculum, but I was just I was running them through drills that I had done on the range 
And and they were like, this is the fuck, like, we've never thought of this. This is fucking awesome. And after hearing that a bunch of times over, over a couple of years, I was like, oh, if they think this is awesome, like, this is something that I could actually put out throughout the country, right? Yeah. So that, that's, that's kind of what started my business and me getting an instruction was just by me going to public ranges and shooting with, like, the normal civilian or the normal cops and seeing the the lack of proficiency in firearms um and I, I have a lot of experience i have a lot of gunfighting experiences like i can i can i can i can do good on the the firearm side and the shooting side you know to give kind of give back so that's that's what started the business that's amazing yeah uh and it's amazing you know to, when i when i talk to you guys you talk about giving back and stuff like I feel like a lot of soft guys, I'm, I'm always so happy to see them doing, doing that, giving back to the community, like no better person to learn from than someone like you. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, might not be, might not be the, I might not be the best talker, the best instructor, but yes, I have, I would say a, a lot of experience I, that, that I can give back to the community and, I think by having my background too helps, especially on, and I think it, it, it is, it's taken off. Um, like just talking about Chris, right. I mean, that was something that he came, he came to class and might've opened his eyes on, on, on like the basic stuff. He did. Right? Yeah. He so, said it totally changed the way that he thought of a bunch of I things. Think, I think a lot of people are the same way. If if I was doing what I was doing with with no background in the experience that I have, people might be like, "Oh, this is the stupidest stuff ever," right? Right. But if I can if I can go out throughout this country and give classes and teach the boring stuff and the basics, having my background, and then people are like, "Okay, I know his background. He's in, he's been in hundreds of gunfights. This is what he's teaching." Like, okay, this is going to be cool, or you know, or this is the stuff I'm going to do where. If I didn't have that background, they might be like, "This, this is fucking. This was the stupidest class ever." Yeah. So, I, I, that helps too by by being you know nine eleven kicking off and, and me staying in and having that experience. So now I can, I can kind. Of, I I'm trying to make the basics and the boring stuff, the cool stuff. Right. So instead of the high speed Instagram, Facebook freaking videos, like a ready up drill should be like holy shit like this is this is the important stuff this is actually the cool stuff right and and so can you uh can you point people to uh to your stuff game at resolutions if they want to find you or your content where would they go for that uh yeah so the website's just gamma resolutions.com uh my instagram which yeah should i hope I am horrible with social media. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably why I don't have a big following, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Instagram is Keller Gamma Resolutions. I'll leave it in that description. Yeah. Did you hear my, did you hear my wife yelling saying? in the background? What did she say? <laughs> I don't, she was telling me what it was. I don't even know what it is. Uh, you know, uh, and then I don't, and I, I honestly, I don't know what my Facebook one is like what the handle is i'll leave it all i'll find it think, i'll leave it below. i think the easiest thing is because i think <laughs> once you if you google my name i think the instagram and, and facebook comes up yeah so if you just google bob keller or robert keller um it's it'll come up but the the, the website with all the classes um that's gamma resolutions.com awesome uh yeah I'm, I'm not the best at social media either as soon as i can afford to hire a marketing like social media person i'm doing it <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's a lot that goes into it and it, it really yeah i mean and like i said earlier i mean the only the reason why i do this is to help people right i mean i i love getting calls from cops i i've yet to have them from a civilian but i've had i've had cops that have been to my classes been in engagements sense a class and say that that you know that's that's helped them save their life that's that's what i'm doing this for right you know, i'm not i'm not doing it for a big following i'm not doing it for that whole instagram and facebook fucking famous people i could care less about that i'm for me straight up honestly it's 
It's it's giving the classes, putting out the content and the drills to hopefully if people that have been in my class are practicing the drills, I know that those drills will eventually, if they if they're ever in that situation, will hopefully save their lives. Yeah. That's that's the only thing that freaking matters. And yeah. I think that comes from too being in those hundreds of gunfights. I know how fucking serious it is. Right. Right. So like. I did. I take my classes serious too, even though it's basic stuff. And I'm, I would say I'm a, a good approachable person. Like I, my class is literally the only thing that I, that I am there for is to run you through my drills and uh, to better yourself, to, to save your life. It's not for you to, to leave my class and be like, Oh shit, that Keller guy, he's fucking badass. Like right. I could care less about that. So that's why that's why I'm not too big on the social media thing, which I know I should be. But yeah, it is it is tough, and, and uh, I think the same way in a lot of things, you know, because I lean towards the military prep side. It's nothing more validating than than I have a guy. Of course, success is their own, but when they send me a picture of them making it through something, and yeah. say, "Hey, this was your program," really it was yep. them. But yeah, it's so awesome to to feel that. Yeah. So, yeah, but but to get yeah to get calls like that or emails like that, it's freaking badass. If if you can help them on the physical side, get, you know, get ready for it, then they make it. That, that's fucking cool. Yeah, which is which. That, hopefully, I mean, if, if you're like me, you're doing it for the right reason, which is that, and and that could obviously um, like what you're doing too on the physical side. That's obviously going to help law enforcement as well too, right? They, ha- I mean, that's something that. I try to, which I hope you're doing the same thing. I mean, that getting people motivated, not only to shoot, but to get in shape and stay in shape, that, that is a, that is a fucking big thing when you're operational. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And and that being said, uh, not to put you on the spotlight here, but before we, uh, in this podcast today, is there any, uh, anything you want to leave people with, uh, especially guys like looking to do follow in your footsteps and try to do some of the things that you did? Uh, well, for, for one, if it's something in the back of your head, cause I, I hear this shit from a ton of older dudes, like, and, and I'm, I'm, I am fortunate that I, cause I didn't go, I didn't go until I was 24. So I still, I was old considering like going to range time. Like how old were you when you went to range time? Uh, I got there when I was 19. Yeah. So most, most are like 18, 19, 20. I was like 24 years old. When I got there. I was older than most of the squad leaders, but I feel fortunate that I was like, I found out that that was something I wanted to do. And I did it. I, I, I see a lot of people that are older that come to my classes that never took the step. They like, they never did it. And now they're looking back going, they wish they would have, you know, if you're if, if if you're someone listening to this podcast and you're uh, at that age, you got a good career, but that's something that's in the back of your head. Like I fucking want to do this, you know? Should I do it? I think do it. I mean, you can get you can get three year contracts, right? Or you know, even four year contract. At least you fucking did it, so you'll never look back and say you should have. Right. Right. And then when it comes time. So you doing it and going there. My big thing, like if you're if you're asking uh, for guys that are doing it, um, and going to like SF Selection, uh, Rip, which is it Rope now? It's Rasp now. A Rasp, yeah. So yeah. if you're if, you know you want to go range time, you want to go SF, you want to go to the unit, you want to go in the SEAL program, you want to go fucking Marsoc, whatever. Um, for one, do it, and then when when you start doing it. It's it's pretty fucking simple. Just don't fucking quit. Ever. You make them tell you you're done. Do not ever say the words, I quit. Right. Do not ever go to anyone and say, I think I'm done. Right? You go until you're fucking dead. Or until someone tells you, hey, you're not the right guy. Right? I mean, I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to anything. You have. This applies to anything in your life. Don't ever... Get to the point where you're doing something hard and you're like, I can't do it or I fucking quit. I think that's that it's that easy because if you don't say I quit and someone tells you, hey, you're not the right person. You're going to live your life saying at least I didn't fucking I I didn't stop. Right. 
Right. That's going to follow you on for the rest of your life, knowing that. But if you're the one who says, I quit, you got to live with that for the rest of your life. I mean, like anyone, because I get phone calls from guys that are going to selection all the time and talk to them. Like training, one thing, yeah, you know, you, you, like the PT side, the running, the rucking, doing the push up, doing the pull ups, all that stuff. That, that's awesome. Do that. But the big thing is just, uh, it's fucking simple. There's uh, two words, right? Don't quit. You let them tell you you're done, no matter what you're doing in life. I love that. So, yeah. Um, but then at the same time, just overtrain your ass and you don't have to worry about that shit. Right. It certainly helps, right? Uh, yeah. Do your research, kind of know what the standards are, and then fucking double. Right. So then when you get in that shitty situation of a bad day, it's still going to be fucking easy. But no matter what, in life, it doesn't matter if it's fucking military or not. Don't ever fucking say those words. I quit. I love that. Thank you for your time, sir. Uh, this is a, an honor, privilege for me to have you on. Um. I'm going to go ahead and, and end it here. It was a fun talk and thanks again for your time. Yeah, we'll do, uh, we'll definitely for, uh, you want to do a follow-up one. Absolutely. Um, we'll get, uh, which I don't know, they weren't on the comments, sir, but I've done multiple podcasts with uh, some of the other guys that I've worked with. That that's, that's a fun one. If you want to talk about some stories. Absolutely. Yep, just let me know yeah. when y'all got an yeah. open so spot we'll do, whenever you we'll want. Do it. Another one. It'll be it'll be a couple of other guys on there. We'll we'll talk about some more stories. Awesome. Lo love, would love to do it. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Take care. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the podcast. We sincerely appreciate it. Be sure to check out Robert. I'll leave his information in the description below. Go show some support, and if you have time, go take some courses with him. He's the best of the best. Also, be sure to check out trainlikearanger.com. We have workout programs, we have nutrition programs, we have merchant apparel, and much more on the agenda. Again, thank you guys for your time. Remember to train to your utmost potential like a ranger.